Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the live Ganymede and Titan Instant Reaction Dwarfcast for Series 10, Episode 2, Fathers and Sons. Coming up on tonight's show, we've got an exclusive interview with Rebecca pre-Blackstone in amongst a thorough discussion of the show that we've just watched, tons of your comments, some of our favourite GNT readers joining us via Skype and a preview of next week's episode, Lemons. Plus, a guarantee that there'll be absolutely no Dalek voices or vast periods of dead air. Not an actual guarantee. Of course, we want to hear from you stupid bastards as well, so if you're listening live, please head over to GNT and post comments in the Let's Talk About Fathers and Sons thread. You can also reach us via Twitter, and that's at Ganymede Titan. Joining me, Ian Symes, in GNT Towers tonight, we've got Jonathan Caps. Hello. The fan club's Joe Sharples. Hello. And the disembodied Yorkshire voice of Danny Stevenson. Hey up. Hey up. Right, let's go around the room and get some initial thoughts. Uh, Caps here. <laughs> Um, incredibly mixed. Uh, I laughed a lot, and I there was there was quite a lot of times where I was thinking, "What the merry fuck is this?" <laughs> uh, I would say eighty percent excellent, like really, really good, and twenty percent absolutely abysmal. Yeah, I I'm still finding it a bit hard to work out my thoughts because I love the pre stuff. I love the father and son stuff. I really don't love the Taiwan tone, the Chinese whispers stuff. Uh, so I don't know. Demi? Yeah, again, you've done it all again where you've, you've basically, <laughs> uh, each individual person has pretty much summed up exactly how I'm feeling about that. Episode. You can go next, next, uh, first next time. <laughs> yeah, the list, is, the list stuff is awesome. I really, really, really liked it. Um, but the Taiwan tone stuff seemed fairly unnecessary given the episode. Yeah, I mean, well, like I say, it is. I'm more positive than negative about it, so let's spend yeah. a little time talking about the good stuff first, yeah. and then we can drag yeah. everyone down with us <laughs> later on. But yeah, everything, every scrap of uh, screen time with Pre was superb. Yeah, oh, every single conversation. Yeah, not just um, Rebecca Blackstone's performance, but also just the concept of Pre and every single bit of, of dialogue you don't need to have this conversation you've already done it it's full fine it's so red dwarf and it's exactly what we needed yeah i would agree with that and um it also tied in so well to i mean we'll talk about this a lot more later in terms of the structure but um you had two plots that really worked beautifully together which was pre and lister as his own dad and they inf- each informed the other and they tied up lovely at the end yeah uh and and yeah, and the scene with um with the double lister scene, as it shall henceforth be known, I've just decided. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that scene was definitely the standout moment of the episode. In fact, there's two different scenes where he's where he's having the conversation. Yeah. But the initial one where um yeah, it starts good, just the concept of the the conversation, and it fits really nicely into the idea we've already been introduced to Lister getting blind drunk and sending himself a Father's Day card. Yeah. Now he's getting himself blind drunk uh, to the point where he's the father again yeah. <laughs> and talking to his son. And that was great. But then as it built up and up each time, the message ends and Lister plays it again. And like, mm-hmm. the, the amount in which he could predict himself, which all ties into Pre's whole theme yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. I, mean, I remember at the recording... Um, it not being 100% clear um, when Lister said, oh, I've got a job for you, and then uh, that's the end of the scene. 
because there was a gap where the scene was set up, you don't get the thing of jump cutting straight to the next scene. Yeah. So that makes it clear that Pre has helped him and done everything. Oh, so. of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Lister knows himself really no, well. <laughs> Pre's told yeah. him exactly how he's going to react. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and just thinking about it, that reveal of Lister waking up in the shopping trolley was superb as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, going back a bit, um, we seem to have had a regression in technology. Mm. Um, uh, well, first scene, he's playing a racing game. Yeah, with a small amount of it seems to be a connect game because it can pick up that he's shooting a real gun. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the gun was weird. I was yeah. going to save this for a small point, but we've brought it up now. Oh, um, sorry. It was a mistake putting the the sound of a real actual gun on it because <laughs> it did sort of imply that he was shooting the cat in the face. <laughs> it's just a really bad shot, so it's all right. <laughs> and uh, the. Um, Lister's uh, message on videotape. Yeah, nice bit of continuity. Yeah, that's from Back to Earth. That's what we went back to after DVDs. <laughs> yeah, but some sort of futuristic digital um, version of a VHS because he was able to skip to the next chapter. <laughs> it had chapter selection. <laughs> yeah, extra features, chapter selection. There's no interactive menu. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, it built up into nice bits of peril, and um, it all made perfect sense. Which is yeah. something that you can't say about Red Dwarf. I mean, it's unfair <laughs> to say just in the last few series, but you know, throughout Red Dwarf, there's a lot of things that didn't quite make sense, but it doesn't matter till it because it was funny. But on initial viewing, and <laughs> and I might yeah. this might come back to bite me at some point. Everything seemed to make sense. Everything was logical, and it all it all built up in the right way. I would agree with that. I think it's the advantage the episode had is that it. At its core, it's very simple, very you know, character-driven plots. Both there's yeah. um, the I mean, sci in sci-fi terms, there's just the fact that this is his own dad and that Pre's a computer. Mm-hmm. The rest is quite just built up from normal character interactions, and it, and Doug seems to be very good at at, at that yes. <laughs> and tying all that up. And uh, yeah, um, the two <laughs> plots in this episode were good. Yes. I think we've um, skirted around it enough. <laughs> Taiwan Tony, then. Taiwan Tony. And the whole Chinese whispers thing in general. Um, I've been... I remember it all from the recording, and I've been quite anxious today, because I thought... It just occurred to me this morning, ah, oh, I really hope that the the Taiwan Tony thing doesn't overwhelm the rest of the episode, and that's all that people are talking about. And... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it sort of has. Uh, very briefly, seeing on Twitter, it seems to be a hundred percent positive for Taiwan Tony. No one say. Really? Um, I haven't. I've only seen a few, but yeah. I've not seen anyone say, "Hang on a minute, Taiwan Tony was fucking dodgy." <laughs> yeah. um, I think it was. Um, Bobby Lou appears to be trying to get Taiwan Tony to trend or so. <laughs> so. Um, well, here's a here's a thing because it's a complicated issue. So when, when that, that B plot's starting up little bit of clunking gears. Mm. Um, Crichton's been playing Chinese whispers with the vending machines, which is a n- really nice idea because his de- idea of a, a night out is walking among vending machines, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just talking to them. I thought that was nice. Droid to droid. Um, and even Rimmer's setting up. Well, R- Rimmer's set up when he's, he you know, is the way he was saying are Chinese uh, whispers racist almost felt a bit. Like it was having a go at people that would say, is that racist? 
I know what you mean, yeah. Like a preemptive anti PC strike. Yeah. And in itself <laughs> was uh is this is very difficult. But was Rimmer's speech um talking about the Chinese and what they've achieved, was that a bit little bit non PC as well? <laughs> but then as you know, what's the you, you you've always got to consider when you're talking about offensiveness in comedy and political correctness as to what's the target. And I don't think at that point that uh, what we're seeing there is Rimmer's ignorance and Rimmer struggling and Rimmer not, uh, you know, saying the wrong thing. Yeah. It's not an endorsement from the programme or the programme makers. That's just Rimmer being a bit of a knob. However, later on, uh, the characterisation of Taiwan Tony, uh, especially as we know from the credits, that <laughs> he's not being played by yeah. someone from Taiwan. I think that portrayal is <laughs> quite offensive and not funny and that's it. <laughs> and I mean, it belongs in the in the past with Benny Hill. It does because because at that point that's basically the two interactions with Taiwan Tony, that's when that plot thread ends. Mm. Um to all intents and purposes and it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't go no. anywhere. It doesn't it doesn't counteract Rimmer's, you know, apparent yeah. iffy, um, <laughs> no, if anything, racial stereotyping. It doesn't... If anything, it says Rimmer's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Taiwan Tony doesn't actually say, any, say anything of any worth. No. I think it's it's another structure thing. And if it wasn't for this, then this episode would be so tight. There was a big discussion on G&T earlier, and I said, well, this will definitely continue after the episode. Yeah. Uh, um, what we've seen in Red Dwarf episodes in the past and, and more recent ones is that if you have two plots going on at the same time, more often than not they'll link together and intertwine and it's often one core idea that spins off in two directions. And in this case we've got a super intelligent computer who can predict the future, so that spins off into uh, Lister talking to himself as his father and to uh, the ship being put in danger. Yeah. And that's like the same sort of structure that we'd see in an episode like Justice or Better Than Life, uh, things like that. Uh, however, what is Taiwan Tony, the whole Chinese Whisper stuff, what is it there for? It doesn't yeah. fit into the plot at all. You could happily snip it out and the, all that would be different is the episode would be three or four minutes shorter. Yeah. And that's time that you could spend with Pre or with more stuff of Lister talking to himself. Well, yeah. there's um, there, there's... What the, the um, Chinese Whispers plotline affects the final scene in one very small way, mm. but the original Chinese Whisper has been mangled to the point where it includes the word stasis. Yeah, and the yeah, and that triggers and that triggers Lister's, Lister's thing. Memory. Lister could have tri- it could have had that memory triggered out of nowhere. Yeah. It wouldn't have anything. Yeah. It would be a bit messy, but um, I don't think that would have been too much of a concern. Uh, and also, there is another point. <laughs> I have um, no no it is no not. point it's it gone <laughs> um, it was odd hearing um, uh, Lister's internal monologue uh, I don't think that's been done in Red Dwarf before when yeah. he heard uh, you know Lister remembering the stasis thing I wonder yeah. if that was entirely necessary as well because uh, it's sort of a yeah we remember do you remember <laughs> yeah. it was, it was uh, like 20 minutes ago Plus adverts. Plus adverts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't... That, that bit was fine. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. It, <laughs> no, I'm not saying yeah. that's a complaint. What, uh... um, Danny? Any comments? 
it's difficult because we've got to get yeah, down the it's, it's, it's a difficult one, this, but I, you, you're completely right. I, I genuinely think the Tao and Tony stuff, other than the sort of tiny plot point at the end, could have been done a different way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it, it does seem like a sort of a long way around to one point. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it, when it comes to comedy Asian caricatures, <laughs> I've that's got... a good sentence. <laughs> There's, um, <laughs> okay, uh, the recent Vic and Bob stuff, Dr. Shakamoto, comedy, comedy uh, Japanese accent. You've got, are you right there, Father Ted, with a ch- Chinese uh, impersonation, but we all know the purposes the point, behind yeah, that. The purposes yeah. behind that. Um, and also, well, I, it's mainly Vic and Bob, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, Paul Barron. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it just and I don't mind any of that. Yeah, I yeah. don't mind. So, but then I guess there's stuff in like there's things that we don't particularly watch, little Britain type mm. stuff. Yeah. and you're watching the call it fly away or what? Oh, come fly, fly with me. Fly yeah. with us. And um, and I believe from bits I've seen, they have what I would consider to be slightly dodgy impersonations yeah. and things. And there's also and yet they seem to be quite mainstream now. So there's also. Um, that Ricky Gervais thing, what was it called? Um, Life's Too Short. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Derek. Uh, Derek and the Morgana Show muck uh, oh, do impressions of disabled people, which is just yeah. as bad. And there's a lot of stuff on TV at the moment that probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And I don't want to think of Red Dwarf as being a very small part of that. And I don't think it's a huge problem. Um I'm absolutely certain that this wasn't the intention of to you know it wasn't but, let's be on PC and let's see what we can get away with. I don't think there's any of that there. I just think it perhaps wasn't thought through and it's a, it leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth. I think um, the crux of of this is that if the intentions are clearly good and in the right in the right place, you know the intentions aren't you know nasty or reductive in any way, then it's fine. The problem with this episode is that there was no indication as to what the intention was. We know because (laughs) of you know we're fans and we're we're familiar with Doug and his writing that the intentions weren't bad, but the episode doesn't make any of that clear. There are no intentions put forward. It's just a comedy voice. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and um, and yeah, it does drag you out of it, and it's such a shame because. Like I say, 80% of the episode is brilliant. Yeah. It genuinely is some of the best yeah. Red Dwarf we've seen. I mean, I, in the main, I prefer this episode to Trojan, I think, uh, although obviously that's only on one viewing, um, because the strength of the plot and the comedy that was wrung out of it was just is the best we, yeah. that we've seen since Series 6. Uh, and so overall, I am happy with this episode. I'm just really annoyed that there's this one little nagging thing that's stopping me from saying it was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, it's. Um, it, I guess it's be. It'll be one of those things that will eventually compartmentalise and sort of maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know. Or do a fan edit and yeah. get rid of it all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still. I, mean, I I I enjoyed the vast majority of the episode, but I'm st- I'm still trying to work out whether there were certain moments w- where it was maybe. Things were a bit over-egged, perhaps, on the comedy front. Mm. Um, what am I thinking of? Well, booting up pre-sequence yeah. is a good example, because I, I enjoyed that scene um, at the recording. Um, 
it put in the final edit. It probably went on maybe one or two mm. jokes. It's it's good. I think it's funny, but the it... breast size is slightly irrelevant given that it's, you don't see her breasts. <laughs> uh, that's um, um, that's because um, Rimmer had already become so fixated on the breasts that when Crichton asked him for the frame size, he said, "Yeah, whatever." If it have gone for a mid shot or an MCU, then you might have seen a bit of nip. Yeah, and it would have been a very well, different audience. Well, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be uh, late night, Dave. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's rumors. But yeah, I remember that scene from the recording and thinking this is going to be a classic. But watching it in in mm-hmm. place. Uh, well, Danny, what's your opinion on that scene? Because you you're the only one here that didn't see it recorded. What the scene with the London Pre? Yeah, yeah and rumours um, picking yeah, up attributes. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, I thought it was brilliant. The sort of the um, rumours keep sort of breaking up his own sort of inner Like, um, there's a very Red Dwarf Eight type of joke as well, where it's kind of like you really okay. I'll do it. Yeah, it's that kind of joke where it's but but that's where what what's what this this seems to be doing is doing Red Dwarf Eight. Right. Yeah, doing it well. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. do it and and overegging the joke where Rimmer keeps sort of oh no I'm not bothered I'm not blonde. It's that kind of thing where it's constantly kind of it, it keeps doing it and it makes it funny and I, I like that. But the 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 the, uh, the, um, the yeah and, and I, I didn't really catch on the the frame size thing making a difference to the joke about the breast. I didn't miss that. No, I missed that. So I'm well. quite yeah. Rush through a little bit, but I guess it's one of those scenes that'll probably improve on. Yes. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, you uh, understand it. I did more, like. But... I did like yeah. Crichton saying once she was booted up, what's you know, like how how much he liked the frame size. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant frame size. <laughs> Crichton's entirely concerned with the technical aspects <laughs> yeah. of the new computer. And I've got a lot of sympathy for that point of view. Speaking of overegging performances, um, <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely bloke, but I hated every single portrayal that Kerry Shale did today. Yeah. Medibot and Dentabot, which we think are two different, uh, well, they're different characterizations. Yeah. Uh, different modes. I'm um, going to bring in a comment earlier. Uh, forgive me if I got this wrong. I saw it earlier. I don't have it in front of me. I think it was Pete Martin who said, Why the fuck is um, Red Dwarf's medical system run by Almo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were right. That was Pete. Good. Um, and also, why is the dentist one uh, insane <laughs> and scary? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, Surely. maybe this hitherto unseen computer system has gone crazy gone because they, they haven't used it for, and they much like Holly did. Yeah, much like Holly did, I guess. But then uh, I guess we've not seen enough of it to to judge that, and it's, yeah. so it is a little bit weird that when he goes to have his teeth done, he goes all and like a Lazarus. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> it's the very your, first line. Yeah, you now we've got no anesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, this is a saga now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. on, the, on the other hand, um, I keep I'm aware. Last week, I was constantly aware that we were being too positive. Now I think we're being too negative yeah. in terms of the balance. So, Craig Charles, yeah, superb. Brilliant. Craig Charles was Craig Charles, everyone. Craig Charles did a fantastic performance. Um, well, his best since Back to Earth, and that was only yeah. two episodes ago. And it's funny. Well, back to sense. Back to Earth was a very different, more dramatic performance, and this is him at his comedic best, yeah. as well as his dramatic best. The um, physical comedy in the video. That oh, he, films yeah. is he fell off the he really fell off the chair twice. 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 <laughs> it was just perfect. Yeah, that was really well done. And getting yeah. the characterization for dad and son so yeah. different, and yeah. yet both of them still so Lister. Yeah. That was really skillful. Uh, talking about. Reminding us of series eight, didn't Lister do almost exactly the same falling off the chair thing in Only the Good? 
when he drank the exact same yeah. hooch. But this time, yeah. It was this time it was better framed scene. better. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed that bit in Only the Good. Just that, that moment when he... In fact, the whole scene's all right. You know, they're, yeah. they're both acting drunk and that's quite amusing. And we get a bit more of that later on in the episode as well. Everyone kind of acting drunk on the gas. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, I like that a lot. Gas. There's so many good individual lines. Um I don't know how you know jumping around and continue uh, with the timeline, but like no, one of the very last scenes when um, Pree's pumping in the laughing gas and they're trying to get a paddle and Crichton and looks and goes, "Oh, it's sealed." <laughs> <laughs> I You're all gonna die. <laughs> that was very strong. Yeah, yeah it was. That's good. Um, and uh, just quickly, um, I'm just dialing up uh, our first caller, um, and so while we wait for that, I'll just mention we saw the inside of the Rams coop. We fucking did. Proceeding that, there was a couple of oh, a couple of shots. Um, Red Dwarf against the backdrop of the sun. Maybe started to see some rough edges there. Like uh, there's mm. a big, big wide shot of a, a small Red Dwarf. I mean, it's it's a it's a really nice shot, um, but it's a shame it didn't look a little bit sharp. But you know, it didn't really matter so much yeah. and Lister's movement on his jetpack was a bit floaty well that seems silly for me to say <laughs> it was in space was literally floating but <laughs> flying into the ram scoop and then seeing the inside of the ram scoop and then seeing some stairs, stairs that <laughs> said ram scoop this way I that, like that I like that that, that. Great. that is a punchline to a series of effect shots yeah <laughs> It was. It worked really, it worked really, really well. well. Now, here's an interesting thing: the inside of the ram scoop that has to be CG, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no way there because there's so many repeating yeah. Yeah. sort of patterns. Yeah. It was clearly yeah. I mean, it's it's a small possibility that they would have be, built one panel and endlessly repeated it, but they'd have just CG'd it. Yeah, they'd have just CG'd it. Right. I think uh, we're currently uh, joined on the line by our first guest this evening, Alex Newsom. Hello. Yay! It worked, thank <laughs> fuck for that. How are you, Alex? How's things? Ah, uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, go on then, what did you think? Well, I mean, I can... Hmm. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? I think the case with last week's one was that I enjoyed it more watching the final product than at the recording, and the edit had tightened that. Yeah. I think with episode two, I enjoyed it slightly less than I did at the recording that's not to say I didn't enjoy it I still enjoyed it a lot um, and I think I can pinpoint the reason for that I think it's something that's going to cause a lot of issues between people and that's the struggle between you've got the plot with Lister which is quite plot. it's got a lot of jokes in but that's yeah. the main plot but at the same time you've got some very broad comedy and that's not just the Taiwan Tony stuff which I have, mm, I have thoughts on that, but I'll come back to. It's yeah. also just things like the running down the corridors. Um, there's some very Scooby Doo running going on there. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, with the with the trucks. Yeah, I had mm. spotted that. It wasn't. It, I wasn't too keen on that. So much, and that that really sort of if more that more than anything, that sort of drew That's me out. Interesting. So like the tonal shifts from scene to scene were were issues for you. You'd say. Yeah, I yeah. would say. I mean. The worst instance of that is coming out of um, the whole thing with the dental thing and having Kerry Shale's voiceover going, there goes another one, or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was the worst one. Um, 
if we're just going through some negative points. <laughs> well, why not? Well, well, <laughs> this is G&T. Negative, <laughs> negative and then do the positive. Yeah, good one. Um, the Taiwan Tony thing, I kind of see where John was coming from in that I, I yeah, it's dodgy. There's no way around it. Mm. At the same time, I got a smile out of it. I think, though, that's just because it's so ridiculously extreme. Yeah. But at the same time, it was that horrible thing of going, this is really uncomfortable. Kind of like watching Jerry Sadovitz. But yeah. yeah. Knowing but not a point. as good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nowhere near as good. Yeah, you mentioned but John. He... Sorry, you mentioned John there, but he uh, he loves this. Um, he loved the Tyrone Tony. Oh, stuff. I know. That's his favourite part. Yeah, yeah, it was. He, he went mad at the recording for that. Um, he didn't like the be, good stuff. It'd be interesting to to hear what yeah but anyway sorry i interrupted the, the well the issue that i have with that c plot more than anything else to be honest which seems odd because perhaps you know the racist part should be the top priority <laughs> but the, the one that bothers me is that it's the variation on the chinese whisper that they say to taiwan tony is much funnier than the final instance that comes in as they're being crushed <laughs> uh. and just from a comedy standpoint that whole thing with the uh, was it the French knickers or whatever it is? Yeah. That should be the final time it comes in because it's much funnier than the last one, which is stretched out a little too far and by the... having more sentences in, and you lose what should be the real punchline to that joke. Yeah, um, the um, I think it's because the last one is like it's you can just see the cogs whirling with that last one. It's purely there for functional uh, purposes. It's not there for anything um, anything more complex than that, really. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just that one too far. Yeah, and I think to be honest, if you had cut out that Taiwan Tony scene altogether and just moved that line forwards, I think I'd have less issues, and I think so would most other people. Yeah, kind of... some judicious um, uh, editing, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, if it was on the BBC, that's a scene that probably would have gone anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's good point. A little and less it, running, and if it sucks, gate. <laughs> yeah, we'll have racist Chinese accents gay. Oh, there's, um, oh well, I mean, I don't know if you want to... Um, <laughs> um, have, you, have you got more negative points? Well, no, I mean, those, those are the only things. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you addressed apart from that was that, yeah, some of the models maybe showed up a little bit as it was going into the sun. Although, I don't think that's probably to do with the work that Bill and his team are doing. I think that's probably all in post. Yeah, it post seems... the effect and it... It's always that odd mix of having CGI and the real model. Yeah, the, the, well, it's, it seems to be that the um, there's like a weird halo over, and I noticed it with a couple of shots of Starbuck as well. It's like you can kind of see the joins a little bit in the in the CSO, but I think in the case of those model shots, that the the ideas were nice and big and bold, and the imagery was really really nice. That um, I kind of yeah, the 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 the, the small sort of technical. Um, quibbles uh, sort of reduced a little bit for me in in that case I think because you know it's a really nice idea just you know just oh, having... and I mean the models themselves yeah. look great and let's not forget it's being done on a shoestring of a budget after yeah. they've already spent money on that first shoe it, exactly I think it might have been less than the cost of one shoestring <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing actually has just occurred to me is that we've we've seen Starbug hurtling towards a thing loads of times like in series six and seven it always seems to be hurtling towards either uh, an asteroid or a, or a lava planet or a sun um and this time red dwarf is about to go into a sun that's the yeah. first time that the met the mothership has had so much jeopardy the closest you've ever had before is going into um the dust storm 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Nothing it's ever passed into. And, and that, that was, was that was nothing. That wasn't a threat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Red Dwarf hurtling. Red Dwarf's never hurtled anywhere. No, <laughs> it fucking hasn't. It's his, um, maybe in future yeah. echoes, it got a bit yeah. hurtly. Well, maybe, maybe pre um, decided that. Oh, Fuck it! I'll just use my own knowledge to repair the the, the um, yeah. Engines. Well, it's it's her knowledge, uh, it's her, um, her wisdom that um, Red Dwarf should hurtle into a sun, and therefore she's going to make that as efficient as possible. Because yeah, it's it's a strange mix with pre. It might be a small inconsistency, but I don't think it's a problem. Is that at times she's copying what Rimmer would do, and therefore fucking things up like completely destroying B deck. <laughs> Great joke. Bro. Yeah, fantastic. But at times she's um she's just being a bureaucrat and doing things by the company's uh, policy. And I took that more that after Lister's gone off the ship because Rimmer's only a hologram, uh, at that point he's no longer senior officer. That by having no crew for him to be on board with. <laughs> yeah, he derives his power from the fact that Lister is there because that's the only yes. person he could have any authority over. Yeah. Yeah, that's that nice. And also the uh, fact that it, you know, I, I was sort of half expecting this to be referenced, but the fact that once Lister's gone, there's no need for Rimmer. Rimmer is only there uh, to keep Lister sane. Crichton's yeah. only there to serve Lister. Cat's not even supposed to be there. Crichton's <laughs> not supposed to be Actually, there. Actually, I'm especially not a problem with Cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they did do the proper paperwork at some point. Maybe after the um, well, uh, the Inquisitor. Yeah, well, well, Inquisitor. Um, Crichton is additional 001. And so. Yeah. Um, the cat is either registered later or is triple zero, but that is that's not remotely relevant. Um, uh, Alex, I uh, just wanted to give you more of a chance to to talk about the things that you did like about this episode. Yeah, yeah, rant, too negative. Freely but rant. I mean, yeah, there were there was plenty of stuff to like in it. I mean, obviously, Craig's stuff is excellent from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole scene with him talking to himself is is brilliant. I still really enjoy the scene where we first introduced to Pre. Um, yes, perhaps we didn't have quite the impact that we had at the recording, but even so, I still enjoyed it. The gag with the shopping trolley is great. I even like the JMC traffic cone in the background. That's a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, a, and the scene at the end, again, like the introduction to Pre, didn't quite have the same impact for me as it did at the recording. Uh, not the end, the penultimate scene, with the laughing gas being pumped in. And oh. I seem to remember that there was a line of, Robert laughing and going to his knees of shouting, oh, we're all going to die while laughing, which was very funny. And I think that was edited out. Um, we saw... I, I, th- I remember seeing that in this one. If not Robert, then Chris. Say, I definitely remember a line of, we're all going to die, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, I just, I yeah. I, I, quite, I quite enjoy that as an idea, uh, and it gave me a laugh. Um, so, no, I, I enjoyed the final product. There are some issues and perhaps that's maybe why I enjoy Trojan more but the final product is is still great to my mind mm. well see with I, I've got a feeling that these issues that we're having are very much an instant reaction type thing and once we've come to terms with the characterization and the broader things that we've seen I do think this episode is uh is better plotted than Trojan um, it's just that with with Trojan, the faults in it are more slow burning, and there are definitely faults in it, and there's faults in every single episode of Red Dwarf. I think I'm, I might enjoy Fathers and Sons more than Trojan if I can look past the bits that I didn't like in this. Yeah. But you know, Trojan, Trojan didn't really require me to look past anything. There was bits that I preferred to other bits, but yeah, it, it, 
I need to work on loving uh, fathers and sons. Yeah. If I, w- if I wasn't so um, so positive about the series as a whole, I'd probably I'd probably let those negative feelings overwhelm me. But I will try not to. Well, I'll try to be professional as possible. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to be interested after a few rewatches to go back to. I mean, I'm going to be interested to talk through this all again on Sunday. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I really feel more than Trojan. I really need to have a couple more watches to really form any concrete opinions on it. Well, Even having seen the recording, it's, I feel that yeah. parts of it have changed enough that I really need a rewatch. Well, to those folks listening at home, if you want to hear more of Alex's thoughts, you can download his podcast, which is called The Rubbish Podcast, <laughs> uh, which is available from uh, gazpachosoup.com. Or is it gazpacho-soup? Gazpacho-soup. Gazpacho-soup.com. I should have scripted this, really. Um, but uh, thanks very much for joining us, Alex. We'll let you go now. Thank you. It's all right. Bye. The lovely's been on, gallant, on uh, Fanny Peed and Shite Pan. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Thanks, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, great mate, Alex Newcastle there. I thought he'd never leave. <laughs> uh, right, well, enough of that tot. Uh, we have got uh, something much better than that. Uh, we've got... Much better than us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other day, we met uh, the beautiful and delightful uh, Rebecca Blackstone, who played Pre in tonight's episode. And so here's the first part of our exclusive interview with Rebecca. Hey, eight out of ten cats prefer Ganymede and Titan. So, Rebecca, hello. Hello. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, very well. Um, so we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen the final episode yet, but have you seen it? I have not seen it. No? I have not seen it. The promo was the first I had seen of any of it so that was pretty pretty exciting intimidating and nerve-wracking all at the same time do you think it looked good though I think it's hard to kind of distance myself from I I thought everything looked good I thought it like fit in with everything but there's something disturbing about seeing yourself (laughs) uh in that context so I think I, I think it looked cool like and and you know obviously the guys are amazing and everything like that but I think I it's hard to not be critical. Have a of twenty yourself. foot version of your face. Yeah, that was that was crazy. <laughs> I remember Doug mentioning that that it was going to be like huge, and I just couldn't imagine it. And then when I saw it, I thought, haha, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, were you familiar with Red Dwarf before you took the part? Well, I had definitely heard of Red Dwarf, I had seen um, some of it, I think I wasn't um, kind of aware of the, of the, of the grandness of it until, um, until really I got on board, and I think as a result, I didn't want to overwhelm myself with, with like, the what it meant yeah. essentially so like when I, wa- I I didn't want to walk onto set and just want to cry from <laughs> how exciting everything was so I think uh, while I was aware of it I certainly um, have become much more aware of it now and, and how awesome it is yeah. and also the fan base how amazing they are and all of that so you weren't aware then that um, playing a computer on Red Dwarf there's there's been other people that have played computers in the past and stuff. Well, I definitely did my research. So when I got the audition through, I did a lot of research and watched a bit of Hattie. Mm. And uh, to get a sense of kind of what that was like. 
But I also didn't want to get, because I knew this was a new incarnation of the computer, I didn't want to kind of employ too many of those things, I guess. And I, I just, I don't know, I kind of went from the writing, but I did know. And now I'm even more aware, obviously. Yeah. So I know that stuff now. <laughs> um, how did you get on with the four main actors? They're amazing. They're amazing. Uh, I rode in the car with Danny a lot of the days to set, and that was really cool. Um, I love them all. I mean, they're so kind and and funny. I think I intimidated Chris a bit because... I was really excited about everything and I have this tendency to when I'm really excited kind of go into weird accents and be a little bit insane and I think I probably I had a lot of you know caffeine as well so I probably (laughs) was just a big ball of crazy energy which um which they were receptive to because they're lovely men but I think I probably was a bit like uh, like a little chihuahua or something Rebecca Chihuahua Blackstone there. Uh, and thank you very much, Rebecca, and you'll be able to hear more of her later on in the show. Yay! Um, because we're so professional and 360, we're going to get some uh, comments now. Uh, the first comment uh, that we saw on GNT was from Manny506, who posted during the ad break, saying, You went on GNT before the episode was finished, didn't you? Now get back in front of that TV or there'll be daddy discipline. Which was very strong. Yeah. Uh, Pendo said it reminds him of Thanks for the Memory so far. And Seb Patrick said a similar thing on Twitter. What do you yeah. think of that? I I think those uh, that's high... Uh, that's something you shouldn't throw about lightly. Yeah. And I'm not saying they are throwing about lightly, but I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> the concept, yeah. But um, I do think, as a whole, this episode's... Um, Light years away from from thanks for the memory. Like, thanks for the memory is one of the best Red Dwarf episodes. It's one of the best episodes of anything. Yeah, it's it's not a fair. It's not, <laughs> saying that it's not as good as thanks for the memory yeah, isn't uh, isn't necessarily an insult. Yeah. I think it, it's definitely better than the elements of this episode that I liked are definitely better than anything that uh, we saw in series eight and most of series seven as well. Yeah, that seems to be our main frame of reference. One yeah. I'm perfectly comfortable with. Uh, um, Quinn Drummer um, says on Twitter that he didn't really like Pre until the end. Uh, she annoyed me until the final punchline of the episode, then I got it. So maybe it's something that's going to reward um, repeated viewing as well. That does, does seem likely because you, you, know, you, know, you know what's going to be coming up. You know what you need to be focusing on and paying attention to and which bits you can tune out with. Yeah. Um, you tailor how you watch an episode based on your previous experiences, so I think definitely it will improve. Yeah, most things do unless they're really shit. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the acid test. Um, Drum J, aka James Ball, El Presidente, uh, asks us how did the recording compare to what we saw tonight? Anything you liked got left out, and I don't think well, I can't remember too much deleted bits from that. No. There's one scene I remember. Um, I think shortly after his first conversation with his dad, Lister, um, you see him uh, in the last episode, in the last scene, sorry, you see him moving away from that computer terminal and there's a scene in the middle where he's first attempting to take his robotics exam. 
he's trying to work and he's oh uh, yeah and he's and he's yeah, not been very successful that last one yeah the last scene yeah and um I can't remember anything more of it other than yeah, he was trying to just, pass his test. Yeah. He's just um, logging in on the system and saying, no, I'm working. Yeah, like, oh, I'm working. Yeah. And <laughs> Personal and, information. Uh, but yeah. then I guess the whole that whole scene where Crichton brings in the, the champagne and everything, he then says that anyway, so perhaps they realised yeah. he was basically repeating himself. And it, was it wasn't necessary. Economical cut. It was a nice scene from what I remember. But yeah, yeah, it definitely... it, yeah, but he... But he got across that that, yeah. that oh you know I'm I'm being very serious now and I'm <laughs> going to uh, I'm going to study for this and oh wait hang on a minute look at this game. <laughs> um, Captain Tal, uh, aka Pete. Hello, Pete. Uh, says from going to the recordings, can you assure us or otherwise that Cat will have a bigger role in this series? Uh, we can't confirm or deny, as that would break our spoiler policy. <laughs> it would. But also... we can discuss Cat's role in this episode. Yeah, um, also we wouldn't know because we haven't seen the edited version, true, true. so yep. we could say yes and it'd be no oh, well. or whatever. But yeah, Cat didn't have much to do in this episode, and uh, that's classic Red Dwarf really, isn't yeah, it? Cat <laughs> didn't have much to do. He, I think last but, week he didn't have much to do either, no. but he had some woofers, yeah. and that's the difference. But yeah. last week was a Rimmer-centric episode, yeah. this week was a Lister-centric episode, and, and then so... so yeah, we're not you saying know. the cat has one of those episodes. No, um, not at all. But, no, but there's a reason <laughs> why he's not front and centre is because this episode in particular was about Lister yeah. and his relationship with himself as his father and his <laughs> son. <laughs> it needs a bit of space, yeah. Yeah, so, and yeah. I, I oh. think actually the cat only really has anything to do in that fuck-awful sea plot. It's like yeah. he, that. That's entire, being, and he's only being part a conduit of that for the Chinese whispers, and then for some reason nicking some. And yeah, being uh, the reason that reason that Lister didn't get his filling done that time. Yeah, because he nicked all the anaesthetic. Yeah, which doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really. Um, I don't. Know, I think that's one of the things. It's like this series. He does seem to, from what we've seen in the recordings and in the two new episodes, he does seem to be. Reverting to catty, Nate, like catty yeah. Um, yeah. things, and and doing that is quite selfish. But then yeah. that's sort of how he was originally. So I don't know. It's strange because <laughs> I like the fact that he's reverting back to having those characteristics, but then stealing all the anaesthetic <laughs> when Lister needed it seems a little. <laughs> bit too selfish well, yeah especially as he's so much more integrated with the crew yeah. these days than he was like when he nicked Lister's fags I, I, that can was see, I can see why it's happened given the rest of the characteristics that they've they've sort of put to him in this series but I think maybe I yeah. don't know I think it was just basically Kat's taken all the anaesthetic and now you've got to have this without anaesthetic <laughs> <laughs> I think like when he had the um like the added responsibility, like he had to be piloting Red Dwarf um, Starbug when they'd lost Red Dwarf. And I think since they found Red Dwarf and got it back to themselves, he's probably just thought, "Fuck it." Yeah, <laughs> you know, going to be a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done enough or, work. Per- or perhaps, or because obviously we, you know, we know that there's nine, ten years between the end of that series and this one. Yeah, and so yeah, they've been back on Red Dwarf. He's had more time to himself. He's had more space, and so perhaps that's one of the reasons that he would revert when he's not in such close quarters and he doesn't have 
to care about the others yeah. quite as much. Yeah, it's more every man for himself. Yeah, on the because, yeah. yeah. Right, well, um, we are now joined on the line by Chris Carter, the unstoppable sex machine. Hello, Chris. Hello, it is I. I am indeed unstoppable. <laughs> and damn sexy. Got a beautiful beard. Very unstoppable as well, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, how was your mum's house? Um, I'm still there. Oh. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, nice and warm, I must say. It's very good. Good. Uh, so, you managed to watch the episode? I certainly did. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was um, a real step up from last week. Really? I think it's, I think it's mainly because I prefer um, the more plot-driven episodes, the more comedy-driven episodes, I guess. It certainly wasn't as funny as last week, but I think the story uh, was generally uh, a whole lot stronger. So, I really, uh, really got a kick out of it. I get that. I think there has to be a minimum mm-hmm. background level of funny. But yeah. it's the it's the plots and the storylines that you keep coming back to because once you've heard exactly. the jokes enough times, it needs something else to to bring you to repeated viewings. Indeed, exactly. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I do agree with a lot of what's been said on the on the, the podcast so far with the um, the C plot. Yeah. Um, I did think there was a lot of that. There was a little bit. It was funny, but there was also a sort of uneasiness to it as well, which I was a little bit. Um, I'm laughing, but. It's not, you know, it's not brilliant. I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's it's a weird one. And it did feel, that that particular plot, it feels very Series 8-ish. But um, again, there was a lot of elements of this story, I think, that did feel quite Series 8. But I think somebody said earlier, it's Series 8 done right. Mm. And I think that really kind of hit with a lot of it. It's like um, the whole section with Lister running away from the dentist, that bit was a bit too broad. I didn't quite like that. I thought I, that wasn't particularly well played. And also the, the thing with the, the dentist bot and the medibot, again, those are very series eight, you know, sort of concepts. So, um, but again, I think they, they were as cringeworthy as series eight was. It towed the line a little bit, but, you know, but I think that the bulk of the story, the whole plot was pre, um, the list of plot especially was absolutely fantastic. And that just really elevated the whole thing for me. Definitely, you know, much, much better than anything in Series 7 or Series 8 or Back to Earth, definitely. It's true, it is. It's all a matter of sort of perspective, really. I find it interesting that, um, like, with different fans, you know, like, a strong plot could mean everything to one person and fuck all to the next, you know. um, It is interesting Dwarf has various different layers that different people appreciate a different amount um, definitely I think a lot of people some people really kind of quite like a lot of the slapstick humour um, which again I like it when it's when it's kind of pitched just right um, I love the slapstick in Legion I thought the slapstick there was really played well yeah um, the slapstick tonight um, a lot of it was I thought really, really well done when, uh, when Lister fell off the chair twice during the drinking <laughs> yeah that was, Super. that was really pitched perfectly um, some of the running in the corridors, I know, um, as Alex said, it was a bit um, Scooby-Doo in places. But then a lot of it, I thought, was quite, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was quite well done. Well, we um, we did, it was, it reminded me of similar shots of the cat last week in, in Trojan walking around trying to find a yeah. pen. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't um, done in exactly the same way, but in terms of the direction, the shots looked very similar. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And so it, it sort of lends itself to a direct comparison of which of those is funny and which one isn't. And yeah. I have to say, last week's was funnier. Yeah, definitely. But I, think, I, think, I do think the story was much, much more tighter this time around and just, just made a bit more sense, really. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing that um, 
was on a list of being his own dad. I think they they just kind of eked that out for everything they could, and it was just really well done. And Craig Charles, you know, did an absolutely fantastic job. I mean, that's you know, you can tell it wasn't just comedy. There's a lot of I thought quite subtle pathos in there as well. Yes, yeah. you know, with the whole way his his own relationship with himself, and um, that was a really good good character piece. Um, saying that as well, I think um, Rimmer got a lot of good character in this one as well. Um, the whole thing with him, uh, you know, picking the attributes of the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it might have been slightly overplayed um, as a gag, but I I think it was a gag that came from his character, not just you know, pun after pun. And I think that was quite quite well realised. I think it was it's an interesting episode for Rimmer because in it he's been outed as a casual racist and a casual sexist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seemed... Also, well, I loved, it was such a tiny moment, but at the very end, when they're all dancing, I loved how tragically bad... <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've spotted that. <laughs> Your eyes always get drawn to Chris Barry in um, big group situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I loved that bit. But yeah, um, overall, I, th- I really, really enjoyed the episode. I think um, incredibly strong. I much preferred it to last week's one. So uh, yeah, um, I, obviously, I think everyone said there's little bits of it you can pick at, little bits of negativity. I do think some of the model shots this week were a little bit ropey, I think. But again, not not like bad, bad. But this stuff, mm. I think, well, that could have been maybe realised a little better. But stuff still, that that's, sticks that's out. Just picking, you know. What did you reckon to um, Rebecca Blackstone as uh, Pre? Oh, fantastic! Um, in, well, in both looks and performance, <laughs> and um, I, I, it's given me one of my uh, favourite lines of the episode as well. There's Rimmer, Rimmer calling her that goth bastard. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, we, was great. there was um, one, there was a couple of superbly executed swears in this. Goth bastard oh, is yeah. one of them, and that <laughs> that was fantastic. But also something that I'd not spotted during the recording. After Lister's um, first conversation with his dad, um, which is Lister, but, you know, uh, as he's walking off, he calls him a bastard under his breath. (laughs) I hate you, bastard. (laughs) That was superb as well. Bastard is a very good red dwarf word as well. It's a very red dwarf swear. (laughs) It was satisfying But it's going to get cut on Dave repeats. Oh, God. Good point. (laughs) You mad goth. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think this episode's going to have anything left for pre-watched. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we've just seen on Twitter, uh, Rebecca Blackstone has tweeted, it was a delight to play a mad goth bastard. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> right, well, speaking of mad bastards, uh, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take care. Uh, whoops. Uh, the noise you hear is incompetence. <laughs> um, right, I've just, uh, I'll just um, read out a few more comments before we move on to the next part of our Rebecca Blackstone interview. Um, Tarka Doll, uh, that's Carl to you and me, um, he liked the ideas a lot but was less thrilled by the execution. Fathers and Sons t- seems to fit with a post-six trend of delving back to past episodes for inspiration, Galfs, Aerobarus, Holly rather than breaking new ground, something Trojan managed well. That said, the central fatherhood idea is a strong one. And I don't necessarily agree that this is going back to old uh, things, because, yeah, the main plot of Lister being his own father does reference yeah. um, Ouroboros, yeah. but it's 
such a throwaway nothingness in a robberist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, and it's there's, such a strong idea that it deserves There's a lot more there to to investigate and yeah. to sort of to deal with than uh, it's not that they've done this particular thing before and they're and just and they're rehashing doing, yeah, it. Yeah, and they're rehashing it. It's it's an entirely new spin on yes, an old idea, but an old yeah. idea that's got a lot of legs. I think you'd have more of an argument to say this was um like a mixture of Queeg and Cassandra, possibly, with the pre-stuff. But yeah. you'd have more of a point. You probably wouldn't have much of a point, but it's definitely there. <laughs> uh, but then bringing in new computers um, in various different ways is something that, you know, Red Dwarf constantly goes back to. This is not sure. just we've had Queeg and now all of a sudden pre. You know, there has been Cassandra, there's been Gordon, there's been, you know, all sorts of... Um, you know, different aspects of computers. So. Um, performing Monkey, always good to hear from this fucking loony, uh, <laughs> he's giving it 6.5 out of 10 right now. I uh, really wanted to give it to watch it a second time before cementing any opinions over stuff like Taiwan Tony. Uh, yeah, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it, to think through your opinions rather than spouting them live on the air. <laughs> um, he says, it did jar with me, but are we being too sensitive over it? And possibly. Yeah. But then... Possibly. You know, I'd like to to hear the views of a of a Chinese person, or, yeah. you know, or someone from Taiwan, which is part of China, because I looked it up earlier. Um, <laughs> Taiwan is a bit Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always cautious of being um, offended on behalf of someone else, but it it, yeah. it just it was a bit jarry. Um, Manny five oh six says uh, he laughed plenty of times, and there was a brilliant standout scene, and so that's pretty much all I asked for in a comedy show. Only time will tell if it's truly classic dwarf, but I enjoyed it, and that's enough for now. And that is enough for now, because let's stop talking shit and listen to more of Rebecca Blackstone. Um, let's listen to more of Rebecca Blackstone. <laughs> Space Corps Directive 5011708109728972 says all dwarfers must listen to Dwarfcast. Uh, uh, Mr. Rimmer, sir, I think you'll find... Shut up, Crichton, I'm right. Um, how about Doug? Um, what was he like as a director? Doug is awesome. Um, he's really... He just kind of lets you... At least for me, he just kind of let me do my thing. And he's... He just has really good ideas. He, You can sense... I mean, my character was quite... Quite sort of set. There wasn't... Yeah. There wasn't I didn't have as much room to kind of land certain jokes or there there wasn't as much responsibility of that on on my shoulders, which I'm grateful about. And Pre was just very kind of like straightforward and computer. And so I didn't quite get to interact with Doug on the level of like this joke or that joke or but he's very comforting and calming and because I was pretty nervous about the the live studio audience. <laughs> that was like terrifying, but very exciting and he just kind of said just keep doing what you've been doing and I felt like I was in really good hands the entire time well, my, my next question was going to be about the studio audience <laughs> <laughs> terrifying <laughs> is the answer but um, you're sort of from a theatre background aren't you so. I am from a theatre background uh, most of I've been acting I've been doing theatre since I was six so you would think that those skills would translate to a live studio audience, especially when 
I've done bigger productions before in front of really big houses. And I think because I was kind of, I didn't get to see the audience. Mm. I had to be in my own little section of it so I could hear them. And it was, it was like, they're just there, but they're so far away, but they're right there. And so I think because I did in theater, you get that moment where the first time you walk out on stage, even though you're so nervous, you're, adrenaline is pumping 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 and then you step on stage and you see the audience and the second you see the audience everything just goes away and you're just like this is cool but I think because I was at that point even more aware of Red Dwarf and 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 what it meant that there was a whole new season and the the energy of the live studio audience I felt this even kind of further push of adrenaline and so when I didn't get to see them or interact with them and like put faces on this this like noise level and also know that I was playing a computer and there was just this kind of pressure of am I gonna mess this up and everything and it it was really wordy kind of things and I was speaking very quickly so I was just really scared that I was gonna mess it up or the audience was gonna hate me or you know just kind of the usual yeah, usual. Fears. But yeah, you would think that having done theater, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just people. But it was it was pretty intimidating. Well, also the camera. Yeah, right in, in the Well, on the night, we weren't sure whether you were there because you, you were sort of hidden behind the set and uh, we saw you on monitors not blinking, staring straight ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just so nervous and I realised that because I didn't know when my monitors were on and when they weren't mm. on so i think i um i remember just feeling like whatever you do don't blink and don't move your head and then i remember at one point someone kind of jumped out of line order and mm. i just didn't know what to do from then and then i remember i just kind of dropped it and also i messed up so i had to start over again but i think it was just kind of the fear and the nerves just kept me completely like straight ahead yeah. don't move yeah um, moving on to a, a few specifics about the episode do you think that Pre is a baddie or is she just misguided <laughs> uh, I think that she is just really big on doing what she's programmed to do uh, I think she just takes everything so literally so you can't really fault someone, I guess, for wanting to follow protocols to the T. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she could be perceived as a baddie, but do I think she's a baddie? No. I think she's a very complex, three-dimensional computer <laughs> who just kind of was following orders. Yeah. Um, did you have uh, cue cards in front of you for some of those speeches? No. No, no. that would be all from memory. Mm-hmm. The, I think that's probably where the theatre background helps, is that I'm used to memorising mm. lots of stuff. But it was really difficult to memorise that. Yeah. Um, when you first read the script, did you, as Rebecca, um, manage to keep up with Pree's logic? Because she's always three steps ahead of everyone, everyone watching and everyone in it. I think I just kind of took it for what it was, so... I did find her, you know, hard to keep up with, certainly, but I just kind of went, I guess, with the flow of it. Yeah. But, yeah, she's, she is intense. 
And uh, finally, are you looking forward to the episode going out? I really am. I think it'll be really fun. Everything that happens at the episode, like all of Craig's stuff is hilarious and Chris and Bobby and Danny, like they're all amazing. And there was just so much comedy gold like going on that I just like to see. I'm a bit nervous about seeing my stuff, but like everything else I'm super excited <laughs> for. Uh, and will you be watching the rest of the series? Of course. Yeah. That's... Once you're a red dwarf, you don't go back, y'all. So that's that what we really like dark, to hear. but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yes. I think I'm now invested wholeheartedly in Red Dwarf, and I'm in love with it. And so. we can exclusively announce on this Dwarfcast that you will be appearing at the next Dimension Jump. I will, and I'm very much looking forward to it. So. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you again there. Look Thank now. You. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. See, we get exclusives and shit. Yeah, we <laughs> <Yes>. got exclusive. <laughs> Rebecca Blackstone is coming to the next dimension jump. Joe, would you like to tell us more about the next dimension jump? Because. Um, yes, because I'm here. And, uh, yeah, so Rebecca's coming, which we're really chuffed about. Um, and she is very excited to come and meet all the fans and everything. So that'll be great. Um, at the moment, we've got Craig, Chris, Robert, uh, Tony Hawks is coming. Yes. Um, and Bill Pearson. Bill Pearson is also coming. Oh. We do have uh, another few announcements to come over mm-hmm. the next few weeks, but for obvious reasons, we can't announce them until about uh, half past like, <laughs> 20, 20 to 10, 10 <laughs> on a Thursday night. Um, but there, there are going to be more guest announcements. So if you haven't bought your ticket, I suggest you do so because it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Right, so there. proper reactive to the the new series. Yeah, There's yeah, all mate. sorts of exciting things. Uh, right, plug over. Um, <laughs> let's crack on. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to read out a few more comments. Uh, then we're going to have a uh, another caller on Skype. Then some small points, and it's a section that um, I coined the term "small points" for last week. And because it's the only thing we've ever prepared. Um, we're going to keep calling it small points. It's the only thing that's got a name. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you've got any anything else that you want to mention that you can keep short and snappy that we haven't spoken about yet, uh, then the best way to get in touch with us is via Twitter, at Ganymede and Titan. No, sorry, fuck that. At Ganymede Titan. There's no and. Ganymede Titan. Um, I'm so good at this. Uh, yeah, get your small points in now and we'll rifle through your small points uh, later on in the podcast. Cox. Cox. Um, so, uh, first of all, we've got a comment on Twitter from at Bex Blackstone, who says, I am so inarticulate, so many pauses, I am my own personal Harold Pinter play. <laughs> nah, you're all right, you're it's lovely. It's Pinter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's an unintentional red dwarf reference. Yeah, God, she's, she's done her research, she really has. <laughs> um, right, Pete Martin uh, is posted a nice long thing, and his nice long thing last week um, gave us a lot to talk about before we rooted through some small points. Uh, so Pete says, I'm in a bit of a daze with that one. Just seemed a bit of a mess and shows how much Trojan got right in comparison. I like Lister talking to himself, a rare bit that made me laugh. I like Pree's performance and the small and the smart deconstruction of scenes. You will blame Uncrighton and walk away indign- indignantly. I didn't like anything else. 
Uh, let's start with that bit because um, he's talking about the things that went right and yeah I'd forgotten um, <laughs> you're going to blame everything on Crichton yeah. and walk off uh, Chris ending that by just pointing at Robert and storming them. Yeah, it was played perfectly yeah, yeah. I, I just well think done. every scene that had Pree in it was was lifted I think the way that all the characters reacted to Pree was was excellent Yeah, because you know they're they're under threat they're all a bit defensive Rimmer especially is you know is good. He seems a bit unsure at times whether he likes the fact that he's got a computer following the rules so fastidiously or whether he's terrified. Oh yeah, it's the, it's the Queeg thing over again. Rimmer is always, in theory, um, following the rules unless it doesn't suit him. Yeah. And uh, it plays back into that again. And again, you kind of think if it wasn't for the Chinese Whispers, Taiwan stuff, taking up so much of the running time, would we have got more of that? Yeah. I'd have liked to have seen Rimmer interact with Pre or you know pre interfering in Rimmer's life in the same way she did with Listers. Um, moving back to Pete Martin, another rotten episode opening. Cat and Listers opening exchange was limp. Rimmer and Listers a minute or so later was far better. Also, once again things get going so slowly and the second half feels messy as a consequence. We really should have opened with Rimmer and Crichton booting at the new computer. I'm not sure about that last bit. Um, it does seem to be a feature of Red Dwarf in recent years, and this goes all the way back to. Series 8, possibly even 7, and to be honest, bits of 6 as well, of feeling the need to start with a scene that's not necessarily linked to the main plot. Yeah. Uh, and in this, uh, yeah, it was Lister playing his computer game and getting a few jokes out of that. And um, What it does is it, it feels like you're coming out of a period of inactivity that we haven't seen. True, yeah. It just, yeah, it, starting with a scene like that, I think, is important with Red Dwarf, and it's why every single episode pretty much starts like that. It's just, la da normal life on board ship. It's quite a simple premise, but it is important. You know, all these adventures aren't happening a day after the other, mm. or a week after the other. You know, there is In, huge periods of boredom, and you need to get that across there before are, the action there are, so There's a handful of episodes that do just leap straight into it, and that's either through some twist in the narrative like in um, Stasis Leak or Stoke Me a Clipper or you get plunged straight into a bit of action like Marooned or uh, Body Swap um, yeah, that's true Marooned does start with the, yeah, with the, the evacuating yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah and the problem is that with most criticism of Red Dwarf it boils down to is it funny and you, no one would have a problem with opening scenes not being plot driven and being a bit flabby if they were con- consistently making you laugh. Yeah. And um, that that just makes it down to personal uh, viewpoints. Uh, going back to Pete's comment, uh, Pete, the yeah. Chinese whispers thing, well, there was a clever idea hidden in there, but it wasn't particularly funny and a little uh, dodgy. It also led to a few very short scenes with this being discussed, uh, which disrupted the main flow of the episode. Bits of it felt like eight to me, particularly Elmo the Dotter. The Doctor. <laughs> Why is there this incessant need to play things so broad with silly voices? Trojan was a hit for me. This is a myth. I think he's got a really good point about there being a clever idea hidden in the Taiwan tone, uh, the Chinese, Chinese whispers, whispers stuff. Yeah. Because I, th- I remember my reaction at the recordings were, okay, it's it's quite amusing. Rim is concerned about something being racist. Everyone's a bit concerned about it being a bit racist, but they're also being racist while trying to. <laughs> trying to find out whether it's racist I thought oh that's quite clever but it's it, it, it isn't fleshed out the, enough it isn't there's no po- there's no point communicated to us at all at any point I think another thing that could be considered almost clever is the wordplay 
involved in changing the sentences bit by bit by bit. But as we've um, discussed previously, there needs to be a better payoff to that in the end, rather than just the word stasis gets involved in there. And with it happening dotted around the episode in between other scenes, you don't necessarily, you know, remember the previous iteration. And, you know, it would have to be all in one sort of montage to get gags out of that, and then it wouldn't serve the purpose intended. So It's quite um, a a feat for it, really. It's not long enough to do itself justice, and it's too long, and therefore (laughs) um, disrupts the other plots. It is... Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. You're exactly in... Exactly, middle wrong. ground being as the maximum amount of inconvenience as possible. <laughs> um, you know, it, we're we're really hammering this, but I think um, it does reflect. You know, and I'm still more positive been. about the episode than a we're letting on here, and uh, b that that Pete is. I think this is still a good episode despite some shit bits, yeah. rather than the other way around. I yeah. think, yeah, I think regardless of the Taiwan Tony stuff, I I love this episode. And mm-hmm. Of the episodes that I've seen, I'm still placing this second in, of all of them, even before I've seen the finished articles, which I probably yeah. shouldn't do. And I'll in the house at some point. It's an ever-changing list. It is. Yeah. But after seeing it recorded, I placed it second, just purely because, I mean, the pre-stuff is great, but it's the list of stuff for me. It's just yeah. amazing. I mm. just love that stuff. Yeah. And, again. and then when that collides towards the end, yeah. that is and the best bit. And then it all comes together. And so, regardless of the time on Tony stuff, which I do still, uh, it just <laughs> grates on me. But even with that in there, I love the episode. And so, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to sort of, yeah. I it's, to, I can't. I don't know how I'd feel about it if it wasn't there because I still love it. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I think maybe I'm already com- compartmentalizing it in my head. Because I was, I knew that it was coming, and I knew that I wasn't very keen on it. But that said, somebody was, uh, was it Pete was saying about the Elmo thing before. The more I think about, even though it's completely, there's no way that they would have a dentist robot um, <laughs> doing a Papalazzo voice. The more I think about it, the more I actually find that really amusing. <laughs> so, I think I we're, we're at a bit of a disadvantage with this because, like. Without really realizing, we came into um, Trojan. We'd seen it a lot, and this—it's yeah. effectively the first time we've seen it. We've got some dim and distant memories of recording, and it's—I'm finding it really difficult to find out which bits of the episodes are relevant to my enjoyment, and you know which you know which bits are, on future viewings are going to be a little, unimportant. You know, yeah. and, um, it's a, it's a it's a tough one. What? It is, yeah, because yeah, cause I suppose when we came into the Trojan one, um, we'd we'd pretty much come in with uh, with our opinions anyway, because yeah. we'd yeah. seen it, we'd all seen, seen it, it so many before. times, we'd seen we, it the night before, and yeah. then seen it again, so we'd already... We'd done our own five-hour yeah. private dwarf cast the night before. <laughs> we'd, been out, we'd been able <laughs> Distilled to, it to down. sleep on it, and, yeah. Yeah. and then come back to it with proper thoughts whereas now you're just getting a complete mission well and so yeah if, if you want a more composed um version of uh, our opinions then you've got to stick with the site this weekend to see our uh, full-length written review some cunt's writing that isn't it some cunt is writing <laughs> that cunt is this cunt speaking of cunts um he's been waiting very patiently on the line for the last uh, 10 minutes or so uh please welcome to the dwarf cast our good friend rich lorden aka peter p production yay, yay. 
Hello, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's Kerry Shale. <laughs> how are you, Rich? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? Very well. Um, what did you think of Red Dwarf? <laughs> mm, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure whether to be honest or really honest. Go on, uh, really, really honest. honest. I was a bit bored. Oh. I, I, a lot of it I saw coming a mile off. To tell you the truth, a lot of the gags that were set up, I, I, I kind of, I, I got where, where they were going, you know, and I, I, there wasn't a lot that surprised me really. Um, I think perhaps a, my, a more apt title for this episode would be Prehash. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to reference a lot of other episodes, I found. Um, there was a bit of Cassandra in there, there's a bit of White Hole with the, uh, you know, Holly getting an upgrade or this new computer. There's a bit of Inquisitor in there with Lister judging his own life. There's a bit of Future Echoes where uh, Lister's talking to himself. You know, I, I mean, the list goes on. And I, to say the truth, I, I prefer it when I'm kind of surprised. And I did actually see. I, I saw. I went to the uh, the. I was in the audience for Trojan and the last episode, which I won't talk about, obviously. Good. But <laughs> I was. <laughs> but I. Even having seen Trojan, I was more surprised by it when I saw it live, when I saw it go out, than this episode, having not seen it, which I thought was interesting. I think that's quite an interesting point, because all the references you listed there, I agree with, Um, but the way I view it is that it it was calling back past themes in quite a satisfying way, and I I didn't really see it as a a disadvantage, so it's interesting that it, it rankled it rankled for you mm. um, I mean th- there are often like movie references in Red Dwarf you know there's the alien in Polymorph and there's you know bits of Dark Star or bits of whatever I mean I, I think it's ironic that in this episode we get a weird science reference um, you know whether it was <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> the, um, the, the going through all the different specifications for pre yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the exact same scene as uh, Gary and Wyatt in uh, Weird Science deciding on how big the Brock's tip should be <laughs> they didn't quite follow through with that reference <laughs> I think that would have been yeah maybe right. too much too much uh, but no, um, no question for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you shave? <laughs> how about Not very well? How about Taiwan Tony? Yeah, um, I think that's really interesting because am I right in saying that this is the first instance of the characters discussing racism on Red Dwarf? Yeah, I think so. Because, because yeah. my whole take on it was. There's almost a kind of Roddenberry-like optimism in Red Dwarf, in so much as the the characters never discussed race. And it was a, you know, not that I am PC by any, I'm I'm really not, you know. (laughs) Race warrior or anything like that. He's terrible. He hates the disabled. In the show, you know, that all these characters, it's not even a a question. Yeah. The different colour skin or whatever. And, you know, in Star Trek and stuff, it's like, oh, well, you know, in the future we're going to dispense with all of this sort of nonsense and we're just going to get on and it's going to be productive. In Red Dwarf, it was kind of, we're going to dispense with this nonsense because it's going to become kind of, you know, counterproductive. We're just not, you know, it was a bit more kind of mundane. 
Yeah. You know? Mm, and I, I like that. And and now it's kind of, oh, they still are talking about prejudice. That's a know? great point. It, yeah, that's a really good point. It is a bit of a shame to snap us out of the universe where... And, you know, you had things in the past, um, like Dimension Jump, when... Um, um, someone, or, someone or other at the BBC um, decided that the original portrayal of Spanner's, um, no, uh, of of Danny's yeah. character, uh, alternate character, was a bit racist, and it hadn't even occurred to anyone on the production, not least the actors, that that might be the case. Yeah, and now, uh, you know, twenty years later, we, it's a shame that race is is discussed on Red Dwarf because you'd hope that in three million years' time it wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Shoehorned, mm. perhaps a little bit. Yeah, perhaps that's one it's, of the reasons that it feels. It's streak. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's been fifty-two, however, sixty-one, sixty-two episodes where it's not happened, and all of a sudden, it's become a well, yeah. it's become a part plot point. Yeah, I think there's a lot of unfamiliar <laughs> tropes in this series so far. Stuff that we're not, you know, quite used to in Red Dwarf, I and mean, for the most part, they've been like they've enriched the show, but. I definitely think something like this, yeah, it it jars, and I, I, th- I think we've got to the nub of it there. Yeah, I think yeah, Rich um, put it into words in a way that I couldn't, but it it was troubling me, and I think that's why is because it's never been an issue before, and now all of a sudden it is. It doesn't. Yeah. That's what makes it not feel like Red Dwarf that section. But uh, so yeah, overall, Rich, you seem to be less positive about this than we are and we we keep getting bogged down in the bits that we didn't like but I think all of us in the room did like it yeah. um, so overall you're saying you didn't like it overall I'd say it was kind of uh, I don't know if I was being optimistic I'd say it was average I'd, I'd give it like a 5 out of 10 I mean there, there was stuff out, stuff in it that I liked there was stuff in it that didn't really you know I mean the problem is I don't have a sense of humour as far as I'm aware so <laughs> It, it, you know, like, thanks like the um, the the, uh, the Ramscoop stair. You know, I mean, I know those stairs are in uh, Shepherd's. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't get if you actually look at the episode. I, I'm just going by memory here, but the Ramscoop actually curves around to it would be the um, port side of the ship, right? So it sort of curves on a on an angle. Where's it going? I mean, Red Dwarf is a straight line. Yeah, but it's a straight line, right? So why would it curve round? Wouldn't it be just the tunnel that goes all the way through to some kind of processing yes. center? Sort of a weird I didn't think that, to be fair. But yeah. <laughs> and why would it have an access? Yeah, it, it's all these niggling things. <laughs> well, this, well, this is the type of For thing repairs, that... obviously. <laughs> God. This is the type of thing that I think it's too easy to get bogged down in. Yeah. Uh, like, this is setting an unprecedented record uh, for the quickest time after broadcast where people worry about logistics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's always the, it's always a thing that you use things like that to justify things that you didn't like whereas if you'd been laughing the whole way through and you preferred the plot you wouldn't give a shit where the scoop ended up <laughs> I care <think. laughs> so, you said that you did like some stuff Rich what did you actually like I want some positive stuff out of you before you go. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, the, the, best, the best tag in the whole thing, I found, didn't get a laugh. And th- this is going to absolutely, like, this is going to bookend me. You know, I'm going to be absolutely category after I say this. But I thought the, the best gag in it was Chris's, where he, he looks out of a porthole or something, and he says, that's not a man, that's Lister. 
Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. And I thought, that's brilliant. Um, that's I, so good. I um, think Crichton's setup to that yeah. was my was my favourite bit, but that whole sec- Ooh, section... Oh, it's a little dot Oh, oh look, it looks like a little man. <laughs> and completely oblivious. But yeah, no, I um, I would agree with that. It was a good joke. Yeah. Chris had a lot of good lines and, and very well delivered. And um, it's just great to have Chris and Craig on such top form. Um, but if you didn't like it, then you wouldn't agree, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> uh, thanks for, for joining us, Rich, and, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll prefer next week, and, uh, yeah, we'll get you back on again when you've got something nice to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, love you, bye. Bye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> lost that again. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. I think we <laughs> kicked his ass a little bit there. Yeah, but... I didn't mean to. in a <laughs> joking way. It's funny. <laughs> um, no, so... I think it's interesting that he was so negative. Like, a lot of the stuff that I've seen on Twitter, but then again, last week it was it was the majority of what I seen was positive mm. on yeah. the night, and then a few days later you saw more people going, "Oh well, I didn't like it." Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, think, I, I find it hard to disagree with a lot of what. Rich said, I think what it it's yeah. all comes down to is how much a specific thing matters to you in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And it goes back to the thing that each Red Dwarf fan has has their own pro- list of priorities in their head, whether they know it or not. And certain yeah. things can bog down an episode more than others uh, if they're bad. But uh, then, yeah, I think it's just because if, if he'd been enjoying the episode, then he wouldn't have been sat there thinking, oh, this is like this or this is like that. Mm, and mm, I'm pretty sure you could do that with any episode oh well, yeah, you could sit yeah, yeah, there yeah. if you weren't enjoying it and say oh well that's like this and this is like that whereas that's if you thing. get into it which it, it doesn't which matter we did mm. aside from the taiwan tony stuff um then yeah then while i do agree what with what he says <laughs> when he sort of said oh this that you know this is like that and like speaking lister speaking to himself is like there's your future echoes and yeah um, and they were agree, virtues to me yeah, yeah i agree yeah. with that but that doesn't affect it negatively no. for me personally uh, there's yeah. always there's always the thing with any new episode of your initial reaction is one extreme or the other and then when you start to rewatch it and think about it more rationally like last week with trojan i you know i still love trojan i still think it's great but i can see faults in it that i couldn't on you know the day you know the yeah. day that i first watched it I think with this one, I'm going to go the opposite way. I think I'm going to prefer this in future to what I do now. Mm. Um, but time will tell. Uh, yeah, I think I think you you might be right there. In the general consensus is that Red Dwarf needs to be watched many times, yes, <laughs> regardless of uh, initial reaction. Uh, were you about to chip in something, Danny? And I talked over you. Uh, yeah, you're talking about how like episodes can be compared and stuff. I think it's uh, the way I kind of see it is that. I'm not seeing it in a negative way that some episodes are like other episodes. I kind of see it in a positive light as to like, oh, right, it's, it's kind of giving me this feel. Yeah. And I got that at the recordings more than anything else. Um, I was sort of going, oh, this is like a series two kind of feel, or this is like a series five kind of feel. And it felt good that it was kind of evoking them kind of um, emotions. Definitely, yeah. I don't, I don't see a problem with... Um... Like, okay, the, the main comparison people will make is between this episode and Queeg. But or Cassandra, um, or Cassandra, but um, but all the pre stuff, it's all fresh. It's all yeah. it's all, yeah. all feels like moving the same concept or a similar concept. It is moving it forward, and it it justified you know being the center of this episode. And it was 
they did funnier things and better things and more dramatic things in this episode than they did with Cassandra. Yeah, yes. It was a, it was a similar concept. And, you know, pre... Uh, we, we talked about this with Rebecca in the interview. Pre isn't necessarily a baddie. And she wouldn't hide things from anyone else. She's like, she does something, and then they say, why have you done that? She goes, well, because of this. It's obvious. That's the way she's programmed. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah. She, yeah, she's part predicting machine, part bureaucrat. And... Um, and in that sense, it's different to Cassandra, who's been malicious and withholding information and using what she knew to um, fuck people over. Whereas Pre, you know, she's not that... She doesn't have a malicious side no, to her. She's, she's just, not malicious. She's just doing what she's doing. Yeah. Well, she has no... Pers- well, uh, th- th- that was going to come out wrong, but she doesn't have an overriding sort of yeah. humanoid personality. She's... Um, she's logical and yeah, robotic she's lo- and, yeah. and computerish. Yeah. I think but the odd flash of... Like maliciousness, yeah, it's really, really Just, slight. Yeah, a little look here. Yeah, and there. Mm. I thought it was uh, beautifully uh, played in that respect. I think it's time for some small points. Small points. Uh, who's got some small points? Um, well, sorry, go on, go uh, on. I was just going to mention that uh, they, you mentioned computers and stuff. They mentioned Holly in this episode. I just thought that was they really did. Cool. Oh, they cool. did. That was yeah. That was interesting that they mentioned it was nice. Holly. Yes. It made me feel nostalgic, and the first thing I thought was, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it, Is that seeding something? Is, you know, does that mean that yeah. Holly is still in people's... in Doug's mind as potentially bringing back at some point in the future? Or is this... Holly's definitely gone. Uh, but it was quite an affectionate way of talking about Holly uh, when Rimmer said, um, you know, cocking it up in unique ways. Yeah, It, it was... It was for the viewers and for the crew. It's like, ah, oh, do you remember Holly? Holly was good. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm trying to remember. In the recording, was that line in there about Holly? Yeah, I remember. Was it, definitely it, did fla- in there? it did flash a memory yeah. for me I just, when I heard it. Because the only thing is, I remember when that scene was being recorded, when they sort of said, "Oh, you know, male, female, they're female." Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah, and then they went blonde, and you could tell every single person <laughs> in the audience was thinking, "Oh my god, it's going to be Hattie," <laughs> and then they went, "Oh, twenty-five, blah, blah blah," and then it wasn't. But you could tell that that's the path they were leading yeah, yeah. you down, and it was so evil. But then cheeky bugger. But then it Teasing didn't. Bastards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, but then that didn't seem that didn't seem to do that. I don't know whether it was because obviously I knew that it wasn't going to go that way. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah, I it don't was, know. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember about the reveal of Pre because she was in the studio on the night, and at some point she popped up on the monitors without yes. expecting, and everyone kind of went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, and I think that must have been just before that scene was was shot, or they shot up to the reveal, and then suddenly yeah, she popped up. They were quite careful quite, with stuff yeah, like that yeah. at the recording to make sure that you saw things in at least the right order if you could if you yeah. could yeah, yeah. Um, massive problems so they didn't show yeah. they didn't show us pre before they did that scene so. before when we were pre 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 um but yeah i mean there's uh, something that you mentioned in the interview with her but when she was on the monitors it was it was a good like 10 15 minutes before we realized that she wasn't pre-recorded <laughs> yeah. because she was just like, so focused. still and not blinking and then something happened yeah. like somebody uh, misspoke a line um and when when she was supposed to be going in and she sort of 
just sort of looked to one side and was a little bit Hesitated like, oh, for the just first. thrown yeah. for a second. And we were like, oh my God, it's real, she's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought for such a long time that it was a VT that was on pause on the first yeah. frame. <laughs> it's a shame, really, because that means she's not going to feature in the Smegups at all. There's one tiny bit of moment when she breaks character. And yeah. it's yeah. so brief. Yeah. Uh, small points? Small I points. have a small point. I uh, know. <laughs> right. Were they forklift trucks or what the fuck? They were. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, yeah, some sort of autonomous forklift truck but with spikes but with on it. Spikes yeah, like spikes it. along the whole thing. So. And it was there was one going around doing its like that, I think it was something that was added. It was going around just norm, doing its yes. normal job and crying talks. I yeah, hello, think Frankel. we need to see that scene again because um, is it something that Pre, with her prior knowledge, yeah. has added to the trucks, knowing that she'll need to do that? Uh, and no one's asked. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling they're not on the truck the first time. That's what oh. I was thinking. I'm, I wasn't sure because I wasn't really paying attention. Um, because that's the bit where where Crichton walks past and I yeah. can't remember exactly what he calls him now, but he's yeah. got a little. He's got a name. He's yeah, got a little, little nickname truck. for him. Um, that's another. But yeah, that'd be. I'd be <laughs> interesting to check that actually. There's lots of nice points out there. There's lots of stuff with Crichton just generally having like this sort of butler relationship with mm. all the other serving robots. Yeah. He's the butler there, while the you know he's the top of the downstairs crew. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice sort of feel. Um. I don't really have any small points of it. Yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. Uh, credits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, uh, that's negative again. They spelt <laughs> Rebecca Blackstone's name wrong. Rebecca. Um, they spelt it with Rubba double Rubba. B, and I just thought, oh, that's really <laughs> neat. It's just, oh, it's obviously just careless. They've not checked it. But this is this is her first television thing. Yeah. And I just think, oh... I felt really bad that they'd done that. I hope it's something they can fix. I suspect it's not, unfortunately, because I for the DVD because we think they've already been well. Yeah, it's already been sent yeah, to BBFC. It's, already it's been probably sent already been mastered, so they can't fix it. But oh, I thought that was really sad. Bit, we'll put her name in big letters on the front of GNT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, her name's still there, yeah. and hopefully, it didn't upset her. I hope it didn't upset you, Rebecca. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> um, Simon Bromley doesn't have a small point allegedly but he does have a question he says in john's set report he mentioned chris reading in, reading in for someone was that the other lister or a vending machine it was neither it was medibot it was, medibot. It was. Medibot. and he and his uh, chris's performance as medibot was really funny yes. it got a, it far, got a big far laugh. better it's than the funny actually version. because the the voice that kerry shale does for the main medibot um chris was obviously impersonating mm, him yeah but he was better. <laughs> it's just um, tough love, kick his ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah. It was. It reminded me of um, the voice that Chris Berry does in the Dave Hollins um, sketch about Jan Vogels. <laughs> strange. That's what happened with the Jan Vogels. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Hab in general. Actually, I was getting a mix up. Yeah, it's, it, it was a very Hab voice from um, Dave Hollins. Um, Small points from the internet. Uh, Thomas A. Evans, here's a pathetic comment. Uh, that's him talking, not me. Never comfortable with the Red Dwarf logo being featured in the show. Stick with the JMC one. Mm, I don't agree. Uh, I, I don't like particularly both. mind. Red Dwarf uh, is its own vessel. It has its own logo. Yeah, it's uh, better yeah. than the weird version that was on uh, that you saw a few times in Series 3, like on the cover. Yeah, the really wonky embroidery. Yeah. Um, 
just quickly going back to the um, weird pickup spiky truck things. Yes. Um, Seb Patrick has a better memory than us. Um, Crichton calls it Garby. He, I think they're garbage crushers. Ah, uh, uh, okay. That yeah. would make, make make more sense. It's certainly a safer way of crushing garbage than Crichton having to get anywhere near one of the um, those yes. machines again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another internet small point. Um, oh, there's one there that's about the trailer, so we'll get into that. Uh, thoughts on this is Taker Demon. Thoughts on White Hole plot with no computer and Red Dwarf shutting down versus Red Dwarf Ten with no computer. Fine. I think he's getting at the fact that when Holly initially got shut down in White Hole, the the ship went to shit. But now Holly's gone, there doesn't seem to be a problem. Yeah. And but... I assume that. Well, a this doesn't matter. Because this no. is we're comparing two series that are twenty one years apart. Yeah. B um, in Whitehall, if you want to justify this, which is pointless, in Whitehall they were on the way to the science room to fix things and figure out what was going on, and they got distracted by the fact that Holly had her lifespan reduced and they were in the path of a white hole. And so, presumably, at some point after um, Holly got flooded or whatever it was prior to back to Earth. They made their way to where they needed to be on the ship, fixed everything, and now the ship can run without the computer. The end. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I mentioned this in my review, that I've, I've given up working out inter-series um, continuity. A new series starts, and when it comes to technical things, especially like, you know, how Rimmer works as a hologram, how the ship functions with a computer, stuff like that is going to get changed. It's been changed from, you know, series two, series one is it's just one of those things i guess but it's just one of those things that everyone likes to pick apart and talk about and it's yeah it's quite fun because yeah. you, you come up with your own solutions you're suddenly a little bit happy with how it it all depends on how it's presented uh, like the sort of tone that i got from um from that tweet was that it was a problem and it's it's not i no. think you can talk about um any continuity areas you like and it's fun as long as it's presented in a way whereas uh, it's a fun extra thing to talk about rather than this episode's shit because yeah it's it shouldn't stuff like that shouldn't really affect your enjoyment but I guess you can't really help it if it does no I guess for some people it does mm. but yeah not uh, for me anyway have you got one? I've got a small point Go uh, uh, Pendo has given me his small point uh, which is that the Medi... Uh, the Medibot, although an awful scene, somehow reminded him of the Medibay Incompetence Paranoia. Now, that, what a perfect link into the next one. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I was getting a bit excited. By <laughs> broadcasting. Um, yeah, well, okay, we'll combine this with a tweet from script editor for Series 10, Andrew Ellard. Mm-hmm. And he says, Medicomp was originally also in episode one, which is something I've been meaning to say. I yes. Forgot. yes. Uh, he was, we had one of the deleted scenes we didn't want to mention, um, as yeah. you know. On page was written more like Series 1 computer. I think this worked better. Yeah. So he's referring to the same the same one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit more functional, perhaps. Well, uh, yeah, and, and sort of... Well, the Medibay in Series 1 wasn't an AI thing. It was the Scutters doing everything. Um, but um, Body Snatcher. Body Snatcher. Body Snatcher had... Um, well, Chris Barry doing a Tony Hawk's voice. It yeah. would have eventually <laughs> been Tony Hawk's. Uh, so yeah, it does, it does link back. It does link back, um, and the whole thing of um, like obviously we've already seen in this episode, and we know that there's more stuff coming up in episode five that the vending machines are becoming characters again, um, and that hasn't happened since series one because there was very little of that in series two and bit in eight. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, the last episode of eight. Um, Tony Slattery threw Slattery. all his furniture away. I think it was after he threw oh, all his it? furniture into the Thames. He needed yeah. to work. <laughs> <laughs> needed to buy more furniture. Uh, where the fuck was I going? Sorry. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a good dwarfy thing, um, but sort of in epi- in series one, it was as a result of them not being so confident with the plots and um, in introducing more variation in guest characters and whatnot. And so to go back to it now, it may be a sign of the necessity of keeping everything um, all in, all interior to the ship, um, the lower budget, yeah. um, you know, voiceover actors being cheaper than um, <laughs> than um, full part actors. Well, there's a lot, a lot of, you know, as we're thinking about series 11, everyone's now starting to think, oh, great, they've got model shots in the can. Um, they've got the sets built. They can now have more locations, mm. have more model shots to um, like episode-specific model shots. It's exactly what happened with series two after yeah. series one. <laughs> it, it is like a weird sort of you know fresh start in that respect. Um, various Nick's small point is that his favourite joke of the episode probably was the reveal of what Dad Lister did to Sun Lister's guitar, and yeah, that was super. That yeah, was you saw it in the background, and I was expecting. Well, that, I sort of remember the gag from the recording, but I remember I remember thinking at the time, uh, oh, that's weird. Uh, are they going to do something where um, there's a scutter or pre or Crichton or something comes yeah. and throws the guitar out? I wasn't expecting it to be a uh, to be a prop gag. Yeah. <laughs> um, Take a demon's cold as fuckers. Well. Um, I think we've run out of internet small points and I've just spotted that um, the show is now being repeated on um, on Dave. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So let's do a very quick uh, preview of next week's episode based on the trailer. Basically, we want to talk to you about Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Jesus and running around in a circle. Yeah. (laughs) What most of the trailer was. Um, Okay, right. How the fuck do we do this? Um, For a start, I don't think it's a very. Again, I'd probably need to see it again, and I might be being unfair, but I don't think it's a particularly well cut trailer. In that it wasn't really clear; it didn't give a clear sense of what was going on in the same way that the Fathers and Son trailer did yeah. of presenting a clear plot um, that you know people can look forward to. It's true. They um, don't know what the lemons are for. Not technically. No. no. In, yeah. Mm. Judging. Yeah. If you. If you. You've got to judge it by what's on screen, and then and why are they celebrating getting lemons? Where what are they doing anyway? Where are they? Why that why that gag at the start with um, Lister reading a book being dangerous? And I don't know. I didn't see this episode recorded. No, I don't know. Half I, stuff. Think so. I I know the gist of the episode, and we've obviously known about Jesus for absolutely ages because Robert Llewellyn can't keep his mouth shut in the same way that the fans can. <laughs> in the same way that um, me and Seb couldn't keep our mouths shut when <laughs> we came home and saw you. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, the trailer is saved by the quality of that gag right at the end of Lister going, "Oh Jesus, what?" and just a really slow. <laughs> Just really slow and yeah. ponderous looking around and confused just, faces. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, a nice sort of, um, just having a bit of room to say, by the way, everyone, Jesus is in the next episode. <laughs> uh, brace yourselves. Yeah, and again, it might, I mean, we don't know uh, how much of a big plot point the Jesus thing is. You'd assume that it's the main thing, but 
of judging from the last two weeks, you know, the main thing of Trojan was Howard, and we only got him about fifteen minutes in, and you you know, prior to the episode, we didn't know whether um, Pre or Lister would be the main plot of this episode, so we don't really know how much of next week is to do with Jesus. But it could be a, one of those things where it's a controversial topic and it could distract again. Um, and I, I can't decide whether it would be good or bad to have a um, Life of Brian style hysteria. <laughs> I can't help but think it would be very funny if the yeah. tabloids started <laughs> complaining that Jesus has been depicted in whatever way it is. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do yet. And the Radio Times says that there's some minor Bible bashing, not Bible bashing because that's pro-bible but anti yeah <laughs> gently mocking fun at some bible tropes yeah, yeah but do, does make a point of saying although calm it's down not, it's, it's not it's life all right <laughs> even though life of brian is it's innocuous it's yeah. um it's um okay so i saw the episode recorded i wrote the set report for this and there's loads and loads in this episode where you you well, well there's one particular but you're gonna think what the fuck um <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a huge problem with the Jesus thing. Um, I think there's there's other other things in there, and uh, yeah, it's very difficult to say. Yeah, um, be fucking careful. It is going to be really, really um, interesting <laughs> to see where the where the because I was expecting far more people to be upset about Taiwan Tony. Mm. No one really seems. No everyone one outside this room seems yeah, to bother. Everyone who's um, uh, you know our three guests today. They've only really had reservations to stay when we've prompted them. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas we came in all guns blazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's, who knows? Well, maybe this would be a, a good time to go around the room and um, talk about having discussed it for the last hundred minutes. Um, <laughs> what our thoughts on this episode overall are now and if, and if our discussion has changed anything. With me, I... I'm still bothered by Taiwan Tony and will probably continue to be, but it does seem like it's not the most important part of the episode and I think I'll be able to get past it and enjoy the rest for what it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think um I think talking you know, talking it through with everyone there was um I feel a little bit better about the thing overall. You know, my individual issues and and my and the individual things that I liked haven't changed. But um, I, I, yeah, it won't be my favorite episode of the series. No. Um, but um, I think there is plenty to salvage. Uh, Danny, uh, just so you're not lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, I again, it's it's one of the things where I, yeah, I, I still really enjoy the episode after thinking about it over and over again in my head. It's still something that it's not going to annoy me. It's not going to make me want to not watch it. It's still yeah. going to be just as strong as it was in my head when I first watched it. Um, it's a shame Taiwan Tony stuff is in there and it bothers me a little bit, but apart from that, it's a pretty strong episode and it's a good one. Good, good one. Good. Good. Um, I, I, I do wonder if I hadn't been waiting for the Taiwan Tony stuff since I saw it at the recording, because yeah. I was cringing before it happened. And so I wonder if I hadn't had that experience, would it have been so negative for me on first viewing yeah I, I won't know i guess maybe i'll after a few viewings it all yeah it won't seem as bad um but as i've already said regardless of that i absolutely love the rest of the stuff i think pre's amazing i think the whole pre storyline is great 
there's some um, fantastic bits from pretty much everyone except for Cat, but hopefully mm. we'll see more of him as the series continues. Yeah. Um, and the whole Lister is being his own dad and the video thing, I think is really strong. Um, so regardless of the, of the, the minor negative points, even though we have focused on them a little bit, <laughs> it's, it's, hard, it's not hard not to, yeah. but the majority of it was great. I think it was really good. And, yeah, and we're still happy with the series as a whole after two oh, episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I All think we're still on there. track. Yeah, yeah, and it's still better than series eight. <laughs> uh, well, that's not quite all that we've got time for, but it's probably all that you can tolerate at this stage. Uh, thank you to all of those who have listened live, all those who have sent in comments, and an extra special thanks to our Skype contributors, Alex Newsom, Chris Carter, and Rich Peter P. Lorden. Plus, the biggest thank you of all to the brilliant Rebecca Blackstone. If you missed any of this nonsense, there'll be a downloadable version of this Dwarfcast available on Friday on GNT and iTunes. And if you're subscribed to us on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review, as we don't have that many of them, and we're better than you'd think. <laughs> as ever, stick with www.ganymede.tv for all the latest news and a written review of Fathers and Sons coming up in the next couple of days. We'll be polluting your airwaves again next week, but until then, from Capsy, Joe, Danny and me, Ian, goodbye. 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 Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rimmer, rimmer. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Goodbye.